0: let's pray together. We thank you God that you are the living word who sustains us and fills us and heals us and teaches us. So open our hearts to receive you today and to be changed by you in Jesus name. Amen. God's strength in our weakness Well, when we're thinking about the story of July it's helpful to have a little bit of context um, and it's useful to, to read from chapter 13 at least from the book of Judges to get the, the full story. The story takes place in a period of lawlessness in the history of God's people. Indeed the whole of the book of Judges uh, uses this frame repeated time and time again. In those days Israel had no king everyone did as they saw fit. Indeed, that is the very last verse in the book which kind of sums up the situation. Not that having a king necessarily helped them. of course, their only king was only ever meant to be, Yahweh, the Lord, who made them and loved them. But Samson is one of a series of judges who are there to help, to guide God's people And in the main, the judges were good at at doing that, but, but not always. The Jews and the Philistines were deadly enemies. For 40 years, Judah had been under Philistine rule and Samson is introduced in Judges 13, before his conception, never mind his birth, as the divinely appointed hero who will defeat the enemy and restore his people's freedom. If you like, he's a type of Christ. Samson was born to a man and a woman who had, who had been unable to have children until the angel of the Lord appears to them and promises them a child who was to be a Nazarite, in other words, dedicated to the Lord from birth, a rescuer for God's people, whose hair was never to be cut as a sign of this promise. And Samson grows up to do some incredible feats with the help of the Spirit of God who strengthens him, but amongst other failings he has a weakness for foreign women. He's a gambler who sets riddles for a bet. He's an impetuous man with anger issues which at times causes him to lash out with tragic consequences. Like us all he definitely had a weak spot which landed him in trouble. Samson, the long-awaited chosen one, fell for a Philistine woman and insisted on marrying her despite his parents' protests. As one commentator puts it, the Anointed One was no saint, but a spoiled brat whose sense of self-importance was matched neither by his intellect nor by his common sense. A superficial reading of the story might confirm the impression that strong man hero Samson was duped by a conniving foreign woman, Delilah. This is, after all, a Jewish tale preserved in Jewish holy scriptures for Jewish readers who would have no difficulty believing the worst of the hated Philistines. But Delilah is an intelligent woman in an impossible situation, doing the best she can for herself and her people. We're told that Samson was in love with Delilah which on past form means simply that he wanted and was determined to have her. There is no suggestion that his feelings were reciprocated. Delilah, a mere woman, was under pressure both from Samson and from the Philistine leaders who saw Samson's infatuation with one of their womenfolk as an opportunity to bring him down. Delilah was offered a vast amount of money to betray him. Why would she not accept it? It was her patriotic duty, never mind being to her own advantage. After two failed attempts, Delilah gets the truth out of Samson that shaving his head, thus causing him to break the Nazarite vow, would bring an end to his supernatural strength, and she has no hesitation in doing what she has to do. And among the last words written about Samson describe the result of his famous haircut but his life's, life's vow is broken. His strength departed, the Lord had left him and he died with the Philistines. His strength, his Lord had departed because Samson had broken off the relationship, he'd folded under the weight of temptation, a bit like we saw the can folding under pressure, he'd caved in under that pressure. Which begs the question, how do we cope when the heat is on? How are we tempted when, when we're tempted to say or do the wrong thing? Where are our weak points? Are we aware of them so as to try to avoid being brought down by them? Are there people or places or situations we need to be careful with? But back to Samson, there's not really a lot of good to speak of in Samson. Commentators say that he is a liar and a misogynist. He pays little attention to his Nazarite vows. He has no concern for the people and is deeply selfish. Delilah calls him out on this, yet it is Samson who has become a favourite character in the Bible, a hero of sorts, but he seems to deserve none of that. It's Delilah who appears to be more heroic. The problem with the Samson tradition is that might and power seem to win, and not compassion and wisdom, which you would have thought would be necessary in being a leader. Samson affirms a kind of leadership that is all about winning and asserting power over others. Delilah perhaps has more appropriate characteristics for leadership, yet she is the one who has been unfairly spun as both cunning and manipulative. The foreigner, Philistine woman, Delilah, is set alongside the unnamed Samaritan woman whom Jesus meets at the well. Once again we are charged to put aside our preconceptions and see the humanity in someone who would have been regarded as below contempt by her own people, the Samaritans, for her immoral lifestyle, let alone by any normal Jewish man. Jesus was not any normal Jewish man, however, and here we have both Jesus and the woman in need at the well. Jesus needed what she had to give him, a drink of water, and knew that her life would be transformed by what he could offer her, a fresh start in life and a renewed sense of her own worth. Both Jesus and the woman were thirsty, Jesus in a physical way and the woman in a spiritual way. Thirsting is a big part of what's going on in that encounter. Water is so necessary to our survival, it's the thing we humans need most of all for life. Without water our bodies will begin to shut down and we will die of thirst. And without the living water then our souls will never be at rest. We keep looking here and there for meaning and purpose and contentment and fulfilment. Isaiah the prophet says, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters and Jesus in Revelation says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All we need to bring is our thirst and our longing. Now, Delilah's mother was only ever referred to as the wife of Manuwa an unnamed woman again, as well as the unnamed Samaritan woman. So they had that in common. And they also had something else in common. They both had a thirst. Both were told were waiting for the Messiah who will bring an end to the barrenness and satisfy their longings. And the source of life-giving water will not disappoint us whether we are Jew or Samaritan, insider or outsider, women or men, girls or boys, because Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. This week saw International Women's Day and so it seems appropriate to be thinking mostly about women of faith. I remember when I was at New College studying theology I was able to study some church history. And remember some of it. I was amazed at some of the stories of faith in the generations since the death and resurrection of Jesus. And many of the stories that struck me were stories of faithful women. For example, some Christians around the world remember this week two heroic sisters of faith who are believed to have died on the 7th of March 203. Their names were Perpetua and Felicity. The relationship between Perpetua and Felicity began as that of a noble woman and her servant girl. But when they embraced Christ, they became soul sisters and ultimately co-martyrs. Perpetua managed to keep a diary in prison, which has become one of the most widely studied texts from that period in history. In the year 203 AD, at the Roman military games in celebration of Emperor Septimus Severus's birthday, the authorities arrested six Christians and condemned them to death by the sword for their refusal to renounce their faith. Among these six were 22-year-old Perpetua, who had a young child, and her former servant Felicity, who was eight months pregnant. Felicity gave birth while in prison the night before their execution date, and her child was entrusted to a Christian couple. Eyewitness accounts document that just before their death the two women, now equals in Christ, embraced one another with a holy kiss. They were put to death along with the others at Carthage in modern-day Tunisia. Their refusal to renounce their faith stands in sharp contrast to that of the supposed hero Samson. And yet, it's the Samson's we remember before the Perpetuous or the Felicities. Male bias is still an issue today. Only this week, when the Scottish Parliament was debating the reform of the criminal, criminal law to address misogyny, this isn't a problem that can be said to be said, it's confined to the hours of history. But despite the obvious male bias in the scriptures, we have two big things to point out. Firstly, despite the bias, we have Jesus constantly countering it, and time and time again pointing to women at least as much as men as being heroes in faith. In a time when it wasn't kosher, he had women followers, he met with women, even women who would have nothing to do others would have nothing to do with. And because he did, he changed women's lives. When he met women, he confronted he comforted them spoke up for them, healed them, raised them up, gave them the rightful place, treated them with dignity, respect and with equality. He made the world a safer place for women to be part of. Because he is God who does not show favouritism, but treats all equally. And the second thing, despite the male bias in the scriptures and the erring of male figures like Samson, God still worked through them, weak as they were, We see in the end of Samson's life story, there was a victory. Okay, maybe not a perfect one, but a victory of sorts. A foretaste of a greater victory to come at Easter and beyond. A victory that Jesus would be part of, and so would perpetua, and so would felicity, and so will we. Because God uses human weakness, works through our lack of strength, our lack of success, our failures and even through our human error. The scriptures say that God's power is made perfect in human weakness, most perfectly in the way of the cross walked by Jesus unto death. When we are weak, he is strong. All we need to do is to keep turning to this God in our weakness with a thirst that God alone can and will eternally <laughs> satisfy. Let's sing together the song we sang at the very beginning, All That I Am.